When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uri here yet again, and we are recording after the Sixers' close win against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But before we get into that game, guys... It's midweek. How you all doing? Doing well. Doing well. How about you? I'm good. I have one question though before we get started. What's going on with Doc Rivers' walk? Why is he why is he walk like the Grinch after he stole Christmas gifts under the Christmas tree? Cuz he's carrying the burden of that loyalty due to uh DeAndre Jordan. That's why. <laughs> yeah. That I think it's old cool. age. <laughs> you guys saw he got the meme treatment, right? Oh yeah, 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 no, I, I loved it. It was great. It was no, a couple um, out there. I don't remember. Them, I mean, he's apparently. like he's almost sixty. I mean, people start breaking down at that point. Like, but yeah, guys, let's just jump into this Cavs game. Chris, the Sixers won one eighteen to one fourteen. Pretty close game. Shouldn't have been as close as it was, but the Sixers had problems, a lot of them. But before we get into those problems, let's start with the positives and let's really start here with the starters, Chris. Joel Embiid had 35 and 17, five assists. James Harden had 21 and 11. Tobias Harrison, Tyrese Maxey were both having great games too. What are your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, no big complaints with the starters. Um, you know, Feibel had, had a pretty rotten game offensively, but as you said, the other four guys showed up, had pretty good games. Um you know, this wasn't like the best James Harden game, but he still ended up with a pretty efficient 21 points and 11 assists. Um, you know, I, a lot of the issues with this team, as we're going to talk about, are related to the bench. Um, it's really kind of hard to complain about the core four guys. They all were very efficient. They all had pretty good games by their standards. Tobias has been playing a lot better offensively, making quicker decisions, taking more threes. Um, and, and this was a pretty good game for Tyrese. He had a couple of really impressive finishes at the rim, hit a big three down the stretch there. So the, the starters were a pretty big positive, as you said, um, but the bench is where the issues were. For sure. I, I like this, I think, would be the start best, uh, you know, game by the starting five yet, in my opinion, because you have – like you said, James Harden was not the most efficient. Five of twelve from the field, not bad, but one of six from the three-point line, and then ten of twelve from the foul line. Harden still had twelve foul shots, which was more than Joel or anybody else. So it's a nice balance. 
and I'll talk more about Harden later for sure. But in this regard, I think it was a good balance because everybody in the starting five found their niche and played to their, what I think is close to max potential. I mean, Harris has had better games, but this is the type of role that Harris needs. This is the type of role Maxi needs. Joel did his thing and Harden did his thing. And I, and yeah, Maxi didn't have a great offensive game, but Chris, we don't really expect him. We don't need him to be good offensively. And he still hit one of two three pointers. That's a win in my book. But like you said, the bench is the issue. Chris, only Danny Green had more than one made field goal attempt coming off the bench. He had six points, hitting both two of his five three-point attempts. The rest of the bench was pretty abysmal. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, like, the bench, I think we all kind of expected it to be bad. It's been bad all season, really. Um, like, like it's just an ongoing issue for this team. They don't have enough athleticism in that group. It's been a particularly tough two-game stretch for George. I'm not really worried about it. Like, he'll have better nights. Um, Danny just came back from injury, had a pretty good game himself relative to, you know, what you would expect. So it's really just a lack of talent. Um, I think the fact that the Sixers are rostering four backup centers and not a couple extra wings is a you know, flaw in roster construction. But as is, you know, Shake Milton, Danny Green, Isaiah Joe, those guys got to step up. I, I think Joe should get some more looks here. He's been pretty good these past few games when we've seen him defensively. He's just, frankly, better than a lot of those guys who are getting minutes over him right now already. So I, I'd like to see more Isaiah Joe minutes. Um, yeah, like DeAndre Jordan just shouldn't be playing. He's he's shooting like 30% at the rim. You know, his hands of cement, he's cooked. So... There's really no justification for him continuing to get these minutes. Cleveland isn't even a particularly good matchup for him when Jared Allen's not playing. So Paul Reed, Charles Bassey, I think, would both be better options. Um, They're young. Maybe they're mistake-prone, but DeAndre Jordan isn't exactly avoiding mistakes himself. So there's really no harm in trying out the younger guys. You can always go back to Jordan if it's it's so bad, but I, I... struggle to think that it's going to be much worse than what we're seeing out of DJ. So that would be my opinion on that. I I totally agree with you on the big man rotation, Chris. It's, it's, I will say this and it's coming out probably when this podcast comes out tomorrow too, that I believe that if Doc Rivers stays married and loyal to his, you know, keeping DJ in the line lineup, Chris, Doc Rivers could very well lose his job over that decision. Cause let's be real. We know that, you know, Embiid off the court minutes matter. We saw it with Greg Monroe. And there's a real chance here that Jordan could very well lose the Sixers a series just based off a 12-minute stretch in a game seven or a closing game. And I think it should, too. That it should cost Doc Rivers his job. And I love Doc Rivers, don't get me wrong. But that that type of loyalty is is a two-edged sword in my opinion but the positives here chris is that we're not gonna have to worry about all bench lineups moving forward so yeah that's good i mean that's good i mean really the only reason for it is that doc can barely play eight guys at this point but Mm -hmm. um like this has again been an issue all season. It's they they only lost depth in the Harden trade in the sense that they traded away Andre Drummond. Like the 
the perimeter rotation is all the same guys. So this isn't like a new issue. Um, so yeah, it's, they're going to need to make some moves in the off season, get some younger, fresher legs out there who can guard and defend a little bit more actively. I, I think that's really the big, the big issue. Um, is they just don't have a lot of pop athletically with this group right now. And they're getting out hustled everywhere and they're losing the battle on the class transition defense and stuff, all that fun stuff. So it's a problem. Well, well, I don't, I'm not like pressing the panic button. Like some people seem to be right now. Um, I, I think there were plenty of positives to take away from this game and the Denver game, frankly, but yeah, I mean, they're not a perfect team. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, 114, 110 Denver was victorious. This is the game where the Sixers came out really hot, red hot out of the gate, had a 15 point lead in the first quarter, I believe kind of slipped towards the end of the second half. Joel had to sit due to foul trouble and then, you know, took a seven-point lead into the fourth quarter and blew that lead to the Nuggets bench unit. Um, Lucas, we're going to start with the marquee matchup. That was Joel and Jokic. What were your thoughts on that matchup specifically? So, in terms of big big man versus big man, Chris, I'm going to say that Joel Embiid won that matchup. And, yeah, you can say, oh, he had more assists. They had the same amount of turnovers. Jokic had less points. Joel had maybe, what, a couple less rebounds, but he had significantly more points. And here's the other thing. I'm pretty sure I saw a stat somewhere that said, I think it was StatMuse, that when Joel was guarding Jokic, Jokic went 3 of 10 from the floor. I think that's a big, you know, stamp in Joel's favor in terms of individual matchups. Sadly, this is not a one-on-one game or the big three. This is a five-on-five normal NBA game. And I I think this, yeah, I think Joel won this individual matchup easily, in my opinion. He dominated Jokic on both sides of the court. Jokic couldn't stop him, and he played decent defense on Jokic. And Jokic took advantage of the Sixers bench, which I'm sure we'll get to here in a minute. But, yeah, that's my feelings. Yeah, I, I think Embiid had the had the better night. I wouldn't say he dominated Jokic. Um, I, I mean, again, Embiid had a really, like, special first quarter. And then after that, I think it was a lot more even. Um, again, Jokic, we talked about Embiid maybe getting Jokic in foul trouble. It ended up going the other way. It like, did. Jokic I was surprised Embiid. about that, yeah. Jokic gotten beat in foul trouble, which cost the Sixers in a couple critical spots. Um, I think categorizing it as like a blowout where Embiid just outclassed him in every single way is a bit of a stretch. Jokic has some really special plays to get Denver back in the game in that second quarter. Had some big plays down the stretch in the fourth quarter, too. Um, so I, I think both guys showed up. I, I agree. Like Embiid won the head-to-head by, by – a you know, slim margin, but I, I, you know, Nuggets won the game. And that's not just because of Jokic or just because of Embiid. But, um, yeah, it, it's fun to see those guys go head-to-head. Yeah, I mean, they're both really special players. If they played 10 games, you know, it'd probably be a 5-5 five and five record as far as who has the best game. So, um, yeah, what, what did you make of the game as a whole, Lucas, going beyond those two? Um, again, like the bench was the big issue here. The Sixers bench just got absolutely squashed by Denver's bench. Um, so what were some of your big takeaways there? Two things. One, this was the Bones Highland show. 
four three-pointers in the fourth quarter alone, hit all of his three-point shots then, really helped ice, like, put Denver over the top. I think nobody's really paying attention to this, but the pickup of DeMarcus Cousins has been huge for that team. Because before then, they were hoping Jamichael Green and and, uh, Jeff Green could be backup centers. They're not. And that's okay. It's really okay. Because when you look at DeMarcus Cousins, can he be the boogie cousins that we knew in Sacramento and briefly in New Orleans? No. Those injuries have definitely taken away that, like, consistent athleticism but his defense was on point his playmaking was on point and he was efficient enough from the floor and there's been games i think he had a 31 point game uh one time Jokic was out this uh, earlier this year like he's he could probably like i'm not saying he's like the derrick rose of backup centers now like former you know all-star injuries taking away some of his like elite athleticism so now he's a really good bench guy and great pickup they have a two-headed monster kind of like what the Sixers had with uh, Andre Drummond and those two help the help the Nuggets get over top the Sixers because like you said the bench was horrendous DeAndre Jordan looked lost out there one of six six rebounds three points one block minus five like like you said, he's just unplayable. And like when he was guarding Jokic, Jokic got a back door on on Jordan, and Jordan was only turning his head after Jokic was already going up for the dunk. Like it was bad, Chris. Yeah, and I think this like comes back to the athleticism thing because Denver just has a lot of really quick guards: Bones Highland, Austin Rivers, all those guys. We were both high on Bones. Yeah, they're both just outrunning guys. They're flying around screens, and the Sixers really struggle. You know, George and Danny and Shake and those guys just can't really defend those guys very well. And they're just getting outrun, out-hustled. Um, Denver, again, like transition defense, we're going to talk about it some more, just getting kick ahead after kick ahead. Part of that's because Jokic is really amazing at those. But they were just beating guys down the court consistently. And that's not a good recipe if you're the Sixers. Um so, yeah, Bones Highland is great. He's he's had some big games this season. That's a guy you have to keep an eye on. That You know, you should, he should be in the scouting report. Um, and it's really nice to see Boogie find a home. I, I You know, it's been a while. Reuniting with his uh, former head coach, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, good for Boogie. He, he does look really good. Um, mm-hmm. But like we said, Locus, I, I think both of us agree that Embiid probably had the better individual night here. Do you think this made – him a lot for MVP, do you think it changed the chemistry of that race at all? I think it did, and you're actually going to be surprised about my view on this. So, I was on Uriah's clubhouse, and uh, you know, Uriah asked a similar question on there for the guys in there, and my, my, my take surprised some people, and I'll tell you what it is. I think this has changed the complexion of the MVP race, and not in Joel's favor. Let me explain. Most of these columnists that vote are watching these nationally televised games because that's the games these guys got to step up for and overperform. Joel got, I mean, he he still had 27 in like double digit rebounds, but like he did not look good. That's the type of thing that these national media people who vote look at. Is it fair or unfair? You know, I don't know. 
And would I still have Joel Embiid as my front runner? Yes, because you want the individual matchup. But wins matter to these columnists. So I think these kind of like national media games where they've lost hurt. Now, now, granted, the Sixers still have a lot of national televised games left that Joel and the Sixers could look great in. And that would be great. That would certainly help his case. But as of this moment, I I, I think I'm going to have to take your side and say that, you know, I, I hate to say it because I don't think it's true, but I think the media would vote Jokic as the MVP. Not what I would do, but what I think the media would do. Uh, yeah, I, I think really what it comes down to is if you had Embiid as your MVP going into the game, you're still going to say Embiid. If you had Jokic going into the game, you're still saying Jokic. I don't think it changed very many people's minds, frankly. Again, I I think anyone saying Embiid like dominated Jokic is kind of like viewing things through Sixers colored glasses. I, I don't think that's very true. Um, I, I think it was a pretty close battle. Um, obviously, I, I again, I think Embiid probably gets the edge there because he did score quite efficiently. But Jokic shot fifty percent, had eight assists, really helped his team. Like they, they both played well. Um, and he got Embiid in foul trouble again, which you know we can't gloss over. Um, it's not easy to get Joel in foul trouble either. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think this really changed anyone's minds. I, I frankly don't think it had much of an impact at all on the race. Um. That that's just how I view it. I it didn't change my mind. I, I don't doesn't seem like it changed your mind, and that seems to be the vibe that I'm picking up from people is that it was a pretty even matchup. The Nuggets won. Joel might have had a slightly better game, but he didn't win. So I I just don't know if it changed much at all, frankly. I mean, like I said, it wouldn't change anything for me personally, but I am concerned about the national media. That's that's how I feel. I, I disagree with you, Lucas. I believe that Joel Embiid has maintained his productivity even with James Harden coming to the team. I, I'm not disagreeing with you there. I I still have, me personally, have Joel Embiid as the MVP. I'm worried, worried about the national people. And, that's but And they're the ones that vote. Right, and I've heard multiple people still stick with Embiid, except Stephen A., who changes his candidate every week, it seems. I think Embiid is, is, has been consistent all year, and unless he misses a handful of games between now and the end of the season, it, it's his race to lose. And Lucas, let's, let's talk about how we can fix the Sixers. Um, Lucas, for you, what's the top priority for Doc? I think the I mean, there's a lot of things. We, we obviously, we both talked about the bench. That's the easy answer. That's the low-bearing fruit, but I'm not going to go there, Chris. I'm going to go somewhere else. Making sure that we have the right role for James Harden, okay? That's important, and that's why I really like this game tonight against the Cavaliers because we saw Harden in his ideal role as the primary playmaker. His role is to is to playmake for others. When you can get, you know, 20-plus points pretty much, I mean, Tobias had 19, but pretty much 20 points from both Tobias and Maxi, plus a 30 point from Joel. I mean, that was a winning formula prior to the James Harden trade. And James Harden still was able to get 20 points on his own, Chris. Like he's gonna, he's a he's a walking bucket still, like you said. And he's gonna be able to get his like at least 20 points per game. And if he's averaging over 11 assists, and I wish I had the time to 
look up this stat prior to after the game before we started recording. But I would like to know how many of the games the Sixers have won with James Harden having a, over 10 assists versus how many they've lost with him having under 10 assists. That's, that's a stat that I would like to look at because I think there's a direct correlation. And, you know, it's interesting. Tyrese Maxey just said, um, you know, he was talking about in the postgame, he describes James Harden's playmaking per Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, as he describes James Harden's playmaking, first – approach and team first mentality notes that he thinks Harden is dying to win and why he's approaching the game the way he is. And then Maxie said this as a joke. He's the oldest guy in the starting lineup. Jesus, he's old. But I think the point still holds true. I think the best formula for the Sixers is they have the already offensive weapons to have, you know, pretty lethal offense in the starting five they need somebody to orchestrate it and james harden can be that guy i mean right now he's leading he's second leading leader in assists per game behind chris paul in the nba that's kind of a big deal if you think about it and that's the type of playmaker if james harden is shooting maybe like 45 36 percent and averaging 20 22 points per game and getting you 11 to 12 assists a game that's the James Harden you want. You don't need the James Harden that scores 30 points on like okay efficiency, like on 40 and 33% shooting. You need the James Harden that's looking for others first, getting his offense in his spots, getting to the foul line, you know, not forcing the action. Because we saw what happened when he forced the action against the uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And I forget the other game too. I think, was it the Orlando Magic that he forced all those bad shots? Or am I thinking of another game here? Mm-hmm. So my point being is that you need a play at, you know, pass first James Harden. And I don't, I don't agree with Doc Rivers at all when Doc Rivers said that he wants James Harden to be a more, you know, aggressive scorer. No, he's going to get his offense, Chris. I'm not worried about that. You don't need him taking 30 shots a game. You have Joel Embiid. You have Tyrese Maxey. You have Tobias Harris. What you need James Harden to do is get them to their open spots, and he's been doing that for the most part prior besides those two games. And that's what I think the Sixers should embrace is James Harden, the point guard. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I I mean, obviously, I think Harden is not the same James Harden that he was in Houston. Exactly. A lot of people maybe have had overinflated ideas of what he was going to be when he got traded here. Um, I, I mean, I think he's just plainly older and he, you know, he's been dealing with the hamstring injury for almost two years now. Like he, he just doesn't have the same ability to change gears and get downhill like he once did. So I, I agree that his primary attribute on this team is going to be setting guys up and making passes that no one else before him could make. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see where Doc is coming from. Like two shot attempts in the first quarter of this game, you, you ideally want him being a bit more aggressive than that because him scoring the ball will open up passing lanes and draw the defense out. You know, all that fun stuff, but certainly it's a balance. But at the same time, yeah, I'd but... rather him go two for two versus one for seven in the first quarter. Yeah, 12 shot attempts with 12 free throws is, is a pretty reasonable balance. Um, I, he, he's taken a fair amount of shots still, so I'm not worried really about Harden. Um, I, I, I think for me, my top priority again, I kind of mentioned it earlier, would be like getting the transition defense in order some of that's personnel based but a lot of it is just they don't seem very ready 
Um, they don't seem to work very hard in that respect. They have two or three um, guys crashing the boards. The defense, and... Yeah, the defense in general just doesn't seem very well connected all the mm-hmm. time. And some of that is working in, you know, new guys, DeAndre Jordan, James Harden. James Harden is not a defender. Some of that is the fact that DeAndre Jordan can't defend anymore. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Doc just has to get these guys in gear on defense. You know, Dan Burke, all those guys got to work on it. Um, we got another month until the playoffs. It's not, you know, time to panic. But the defense has been something of an issue in, you know, a few consecutive games now. So they, they just need to get in line on that side of the ball. I'm not worried about the offense. I think the offense will come along. You know, they had a 13-point third quarter in this Cleveland game. It's not beautiful all the time. But as long as Joel and James are out there, as long as Tyrese is out there. Um, Even you know, Tobias Harris? A- Tobias yeah. Harris has found his role now as a quick trigger guy, and I love it. Yeah, so I, I have I have other concerns. I think defense is going to be the big – needs to be the side of the ball that Doc Rivers is hammering the most in practice and in film sessions, et cetera. They need to just be hustling back more on defense. They need to be hustling more on the glass, and they just need to be more connected on that side of the ball. I can't believe I'm saying this, but don't you just miss DeAndre – I mean, Andre Drummond sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, with his no, rebounding. Oh. I think we all acknowledge that Andre was a pretty great backup. Yeah, I, I at this offseason, I am definitely going to do a rankings of all Joel's backups. And that includes the Justin Pattons of the world. Justin Patton, who's that guy? Are you, being, are you joking or are you being serious? He got he got traded with Butler, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He okay. played like maybe two games. Hey, can I give – let me give my priority real yeah, quick. Yeah, sure. It's really – really a result of what you guys said, but I think if the Sixers can maintain leads, it will help them in so many ways. If you just consider, if they say, you know what, let's step on the neck of our opponents and let's put their lights out. They can sit their starters in the fourth quarter, or at least maybe half of a fourth quarter. And if we have a, if we plan on extending a run in the playoffs, they're going to need that extra rest. And I think it comes down to execution and focus I, it it just drives me crazy when the Sixers do like silly turnovers. Like I don't want to see him beat. I, I just don't want to see him running a fast break. I just don't want to see it. I know people are like, oh, he's a big man and he's doing things that no, give the damn ball up to a guard, please, Embiid. All right, that's my rant for now. Yeah, that's and you know what? That's just a staple of Doc Rivers' teams in the past. They they sometimes yeah. except for that 08 Boston team, like most of his teams just struggle to maintain leads, and that's because. I think part of it is Doc Rivers has an issue with not like keeping to his rotation. He's very strict right. on that. Right. And that means when you're trying to maintain a lead, you you keep your guys in for a few extra minutes just to make sure that lead's established enough versus just strictly keeping with that rotation. Um, yeah. And I um, think that, that's a Doc Rivers thing. Yeah. Doc is really great at making unforced errors like, that last minute or so of the first quarter in this Cleveland game, he like ran out an all bench group with just Tyrese and put James and Joel on the bench and Cleveland went on a run. You don't really have to run out those lineups anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Denver game, he sat Joel with three fouls with two minutes left in the first half. He, you don't really need to do that. You need to trust Joel not to pick up a fourth in that situation. And Denver went on a run. Like that's just something doc needs to be better about. Um, but Lucas, if the Sixers don't fix all these issues that we mentioned, what's at stake? 
I think I've already said at the beginning, Doc Rivers loses his job because I don't see the Sixers getting to the conference finals. Okay, I'll say that Doc Rivers has to get to the fi- conference finals to keep his job at bare minimum. It has to happen. It's not like a Brett Brown, okay, you got to game seven, you got a lucky bounce against you. No. Doc Rivers has not had a great playoff record as of late. If he does not get to the conference finals, he should not be able to keep his job. It's that simple. He has more than enough talent, and if he used his rotations better, he would even have a better bench, at least in terms of big men. Hey, is it a lock that James Harden is going to sign in the offseason? Could that be at stake? I, I, I don't think he would leave. Not, not a lot of teams have cap space. Okay. So, yeah, that, that, I mean, the bad teams have cap space. There, there's that. And, I mean, yeah, they could do a sign-and-trade, but, like, I think Harden really cares about his image right now of being a good teammate. And I don't think he would try to force his way out. Yeah. I, I mean, look, if I agree that Doc needs to perform. I, if the Sixers lose, like, in seven to Milwaukee in the second round, and it's I, I don't think he's going to get canned, but... You know, if they lose to Cleveland in the first round, then I definitely think Doc's on the hot seat. And, you know, the big issue there is just going to be the Sixers are paying Doc a lot of money and is ownership willing to pay that money and hire a new guy? Well, I mean, how many years does he have left after this year? I I think it was like a four or five-year deal. It was a five-year deal. So he has three years. Oh, well, yeah, that's a a big dollar. Yeah, I don't know if this is the year where Doc is going to get canned, but – um, if he I doesn't, he'll he'll be on the hot seat next year. I certainly think the seat will start to get warm if the Sixers underperform again. And like you know, mm-hmm. crazier things have happened as far as Harden and free agency. You know, like you got to at least you got to perform. Um, mm-hmm. You got to make him want to stay. Um, I, I, mean, I have no concerns about that. But but I, I mean, if you really think about it, though, Harden does leave. Drummond and Curry were in the last year of their deals. Ben Simmons was never going to play back for Philly anyway. So really, in actuality, all you gave up for James Harden if he left was two first-round picks. Yeah, again, like... Not the worst trade-off. You make that trade every day of the week. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I I don't think James is going to leave. I I don't know if Doc's job is immediately on the line, but I do think the Sixers are not just going to, like, cakewalk through the East. I think there's a real chance that they get outed in, like, the second round, even the first round, depending on who they match up with. Like, if it's Philly-Brooklyn in the first round, Brooklyn can win that series. Yeah, they could. Dang. Even even with Kyrie not playing home games. Uh, It doesn't look like Ben's going to be, like, side note. I know we we shouldn't be talking about him, but we brought up Brooklyn as a potential playoff series, so I think I should note this. it was reported today that Ben Simmons may might, and I say might with quotation marks around that, might return before the end of the regular season for a couple of games, according to sources. Um, he has a something wrong with one of his vertebrates. It's not good. And at that point, if I'm Brooklyn, I would I just shut him down. Yeah. Um so that, that would impact the Sixers Nets series. Not saying that the Nets couldn't beat the Sixers without Ben. I I think that yeah. that's a possibility. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm really just not factoring Ben into the fact that Brooklyn can win that series. So fair. Ben is gravy at that point. Um yeah, look, the Sixers 
got to like play up to their potential if they want to win the east if they want to win a championship all that it's it's in the cards they can do it they have the talent they have the offensive ability but Joel's gonna have to play better than he's played in past postseasons James is gonna have to step up in ways he maybe hasn't in past postseasons and the bench is gonna have to at least hit shots um you know even if they're only going seven eight deep even if they're playing Joel and James and Tyrese and Tobias 40-plus minutes a night, which they're probably going to have to, guys are going to have to come in off the bench and hit shots. Matisse can't, like, do the disappearing act every night. Um, so these are all things to consider. The Sixers basically have, like, four good to great players and then a lot of question marks. So that's an issue. That's not the ideal way to win a championship. You'd like to have at least something of a bench. But... Um, you know, it is what it is. I, I think they can win. I don't know if they will. I don't think they'll be the favorites to come out of the East. But they certainly, you know, that's what's at stake. They might not win the championship that they're playing for if they can't get these issues hammered out. You know what today is, Chris? Yes. It is none other than Joel Embiid's 28th birthday. Very exciting. 20th. Wow, he's young. 28th. Like second year of his rookie contract. I said 28th. Sorry if that was not loud enough. Um, But yeah. Um, So yeah, it's his 28th birthday. And, and, you know, while his teammates made very fun shirts of Joel back in college doing a very funny face, we're not going to do that, partially because you can't see if we did do that. But what we will do is talk about our favorite non-basketball and favorite basketball memories of Joel. So, Uriah, you can definitely chime in on this, too. So, Chris, you go first. What's your favorite non-basketball highlight memory of Joel Embiid's career? Um, I mean, it has to be the Twitter beefs, right? Like, with Drummond mm-hmm. and Whiteside specifically, he kind of oh, stick yeah. out. He, he kind of beefed with Boogie there for a minute. I don't know if that ever made it to Twitter. But, like, that kind of stuff. It's probably been the most entertaining non-basketball part of Embiid's career. Um, you know, you know the shots at Brian Colangelo, all that. I think stuff. that's still, I think that's still his banner, isn't it? Or pinned to the top of his profile? Uh, it might be. I thought the Fultz thing was up there for a while. I, I don't know. I'm gonna look it up. It might still be the Fultz thing, which would be kind of funny. Well, yeah. Fultz tweeted out, right? <laughs> no, it's some ad for uh, Under Armour, but. Okay. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Undertaker thing when he had that that tweet. Yeah, pinned. no, I, that was pinned for a while. Oh, but it, it's uh, an Under Armour end now. Okay. But oh, come on, Joel, we still need you to have top Twitter game, man. <laughs> Embrace the petty. Yeah, I think the Twitter, Instagram beefs would be my answer. Uriah, there's so many, and this one just popped in my head, so I'm just gonna go with this. I have to go with the wide array of memes and gifs that are associated with Embiid. Okay. There's the one where he's uh, eating the apple. Yeah, that's the most classic <laughs> Joel Embiid one. It's where he's like, okay. He has something for everything, right? There's the one mm-hmm. where he's eating grapes, eating a hamburger. He's doing a cheerleading dance with the cheerleaders after the game. Mm-hmm. There's doing the a one, little shimmy. The shimmy, the one where he's like, I don't know, it's like it's a, a Mountain Dew commercial. Where he's like, his head explodes. There's like fireworks. He just, I don't know, he just captures such a, a gamut of entertaining emotions that mm-hmm. he is he's probably the most likable athlete ever 
in Philadelphia sports uh, history. I'm okay, I was about to say ever in all of sports. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. No, I've been around. No. Can, nah. uh, who's a, who's a more likable uh, player in Philadelphia history? You tell. Uh, me. No, not Philadelphia. I agree, Philadelphia. I'm talking. Yeah, I thought, I thought you were talking about like U.S. sports. No, 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 Luke. It's just the Philadelphia sports. Oh, history. Philadelphia for sure. Yeah, I can't think of another player more likable than Embiid. Though I, I'm surprised. You know what? I, I mean, I'm, I'm a Washington fan because I'm from Delaware, so I don't have any strong loyalties. Did any of like the Philly but, but, guys? But let me, let me, let me, let me just say this. I, I. I never understood the hate that some of Philly fans had for Donovan McNabb. Seemed like a nice enough oh. guy. I mean, like Trace Utley, Shane Victorino, those guys. Did they ever? Listen, Nick Foles. Uh, how how do you all feel about league. Nick Foles? Hold up, Nick is fine. He he was kind of of a of a I don't know. He was he a bust at a little... one point for you guys. Well, he... And then he came back as a backup, yeah. right? Listen, just speak. All right, he won us a, a Super Bowl, but I'm talking about personality. He didn't really have yeah. a personality. And Chase uh, Utley, he was an enigma. He didn't really talk much. And I'd say Shane Victorino was a great guy. Uh, he dropped a million dollars on a, um, a boys and girls club right around the corner where I grew up in Philly. So he's beloved. And then uh, I'd say so what, Jimmy Rollins. I'd say Jimmy Rollins is the most likable Philly, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Okay, well, so, so what's going on? Okay, because I don't, I never understood some of the hate for McNabb. McNabb is kind of a, I don't know, passive aggressive kind of, uh, I don't know. He kind of has this air about him that the city. I mean, we only had him one year in Washington, but he seemed like a nice enough guy. I mean, I don't know. He was the greatest quarterback, and some people consider him the greatest quarterback, but personality wise, he was not a very, I don't know, gregarious, likable type guy. Yeah, nah, I don't know. Uh, what about you? Yeah, no, no, man. What about you, Lucas? What's your favorite to be non-basketball memory? Okay, so I said one prior to the podcast, but I thought of another one that I'm going to do a two for one here. The first one is the one that I told you guys about, and the fact that he came to the game that one time with that Flavor Flav clock, and that brought me back to when I was like ten years old, the first time I saw Flavor Flav. My Flavor sister was, Flav. I saw my sister was watching Fla- uh, Flavor of Love. And her favorite girl was uh, New York. Hey, wait, Lucas, does Chris even know who Flavor Flav is? I, you know, that's a good question, Chris. Do you, know, do you know who Flavor Flav is? Uh, I, I know the name. I don't know if I could point <gasps> oh out. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> let, me, let me look that up on YouTube. YouTube. He was, a, he was the hype man for Public Enemy in the 80s. Yeah. And then he got a spinoff show like Lucas was saying. And then his favorite girl got a spinoff show for herself called I Love New York, which didn't even make any sense because, okay, whatever. But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> and so the other one is it was probably the summer before they traded for Jimmy Butler. I think that's when this happened. And everybody was doing the hot chip challenge. And Joel did it. And Joel had to drink like three cups of milk afterwards. because, And he was like, I think I just gained like five pounds back after losing like 10 <laughs> pounds this summer. And it was fantastic. I missed that one. You never saw it. You got to YouTube it. No, the only thing that reminds me of is when Shaq ate a hot wing and he's eating it and then his eyes. Shaq did the hot chip challenge too. I'm sure he did. Oh, yeah. He did on air on TNT. Yeah. And he was just like, I'm not going to make a face. And they were like, oh, you made a face. I'm like, no, that's not making a face. And then like right before the camera cut (laughs) off, he was like, oh, (laughs) Um, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. So now, favorite basketball memory, Chris? Go ahead. 
Um, I mean, for me, it's probably his first game that I don't know if that was the first game I ever. It was one of the okay, like, really early in my time covering the team for the site. So, like, I I was not a Sixers guy before I got hired by, to write about the Sixers. So that was kind of one of my early memories, which is to be like coming out and doing a bunch of cool stuff in his first game. And that was my old mm-hmm. cow, you know. Um, you know, the big chase down block on Westbrook, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really cool moment. Um, I mean, it's like an all-time moment when you consider where he's at now um, and what he had to go through to get there. So that would be mine. I think mine was it was a late West Coast game in L.A. The Lakers were wearing their powder blue and yellow jerseys and Embiid did a move like Olajuwon on Julius Randle. It was just a beautiful footwork type move. And then when he scored, he did the shimmy with his shoulders. That's my favorite. So I was going to say when he did that nasty dunk on Jared Allen this season, but then I thought about it more as we were doing the podcast. And I realized my favorite moment, it was a game after he had a terrible game. And he had said something about the Philly founds crowds booing or whatever. And they started booing him at first, and then he had this great play, and I think it was a dunk. I'm not sure. And then he just was like, you know, he had his hands up in the air, just like, give it to me. This like, and everybody started cheering. They, they started like, everybody just started cheering. Um, that's my favorite because that embodies who Embiid is. Mm-hmm. He, he's a showman. He's a showman, and he's willing to like put the work in and do the hard stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Honorable mention, the windmill dunk against Toronto in the playoffs. That oh, that was, that was, good that was one, a yeah. crazy play. Mm-hmm. But um, on that note, Chris, I think it's time for you to play us out, man. Alrighty. Um, to all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Six or Since podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or listen at our website, thesixersense.com, where you can read our work. Um, busy stretch here. We're getting close to the playoffs, guys. Um, should be very exciting. If you don't know yet, we are doing a Twitter space at 6 p.m. on the 20th, which I believe is Sunday. Yes. So yes. be there or be square. Until then, um, peace out, everyone. Have a good week. and We will talk to you all soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.